you would, take your Bibles tonight, and we'll open the Word of God again to the book of Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9, <clears throat> and we'll look at just a couple of verses here at the end. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. 36 through 38. So once you found your place, if you would stand with the reading of God's word, we'll have prayer and then we'll begin reading in verse 36 and we'll read down through the end of the chapter, verse 38. Let's pray together. Lord, how we love you tonight, how we thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, how we pray you just speak to our hearts. Bless our fellowship once again. Already, Lord, this evening time of fellowship has been sweet. You've blessed our hearts with good singing, good fellowship, Lord, and a and good news from a far country. We just thank you, Lord, for our missionaries and the great work they're doing around the world. We do ask you to bless them, Lord, and care for them, to provide for them, protect them as only you can. And we ask you now during our time in your word, Lord, that you'd have your will and way, that you'd speak to our hearts. Take the word of God and just apply it to our lives. Make it personal. Help us to see, Lord, what you'd have us do as a result of what we hear and learn tonight. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. What a prayer request. Let's read verse 38 again. Jesus gave us something to pray for. He said, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now I want to preach tonight a message entitled, A Harvest of Souls. Thank you so much. You may be seated. A Harvest of Souls. When we think about the ministry of the Lord, we know he was focused on people. So much so, it seems at times that he zeroed in on just one, one person. Several of our great Bible stories come from moments such as those when the Lord seemed to stop everything and talk to someone, heal someone or help someone. What a blessing that is. That tells us something about the heart of our God, that he cares about individuals, not just the masses. So we get both ends of the spectrum. In verse 36, he sees the multitudes, he's moved with compassion. Yet he prays for laborers, individuals, because he knows not just the masses, but he knows those individuals among the masses that will be helped and, and reached and uh, ministered to by the word of God and the ministry, the outreach of the disciples. So he says, pray, pray for laborers. I want to show you tonight as we look, we, we will definitely see a glimpse at what Jesus saw. If you would, before I begin, let's turn over to John chapter 4 and catch a glimpse of one of these instances where Jesus again uh, sees the need. John chapter 4, and look with me, if you will, at verse 31. And it says, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. If you remember, they went away to get food, and they were coming back now. 
And uh, as, they're, as they're eating, they're saying, Master, eat. But verse 32, he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, the disciples, uh, therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Right? <clears throat> Notice Jesus now looking out. Remember, this is John chapter 4. And so if you remember the context of this story, the disciples had gone away to buy meat. And while they were gone, Jesus stops at the well of Sychar. And, and remember, the woman comes to draw water. He introduces himself to her, and in a short while, she realizes this is the Messiah. Right? So she runs back to the city. The Bible says she left her water pot, showing that she had believed on the Lord because he talked about that living water. And she went to the city and said, Hey, come and see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And now, what happens? Jesus is waiting for this response. He knows, because he's God in the flesh, he knows what she's doing, and he knows what's about to happen while the disciples are eating their Big Mac or whatever they went to get. Here they are saying, Lord, eat. And he's saying, I'm, I'm about to. And they're like, what? You had something else to eat we don't know about? Right? And he looks up and he says, lift up your eyes. He says, the fields are white already to harvest. No doubt Jesus saw the multitudes of men and women from the city coming over the hillside, their turbans and, and robes glistening over the fields, those white images. As he says, look, the fields are white to harvest. And here they were coming to hear the Messiah because this lady had said, come and see a man, right? Come see a man. Jesus stopped for her, this one person. He took time. And when he did, that triggered a response. And he saw the results of that, the multitudes that, that came and followed. Jesus looked in this moment and uh, he gave us this great passage of scripture. He gave us uh, these verses in John, when he said, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest, right? Uh, you know, well, well, we've done something like that. Well, you know, it's not witnessing time. That's on Thursday night. That's on Saturday or whenever that organized time is. And Jesus is saying, No, look, right now. It's ready. People are ready. People's hearts are hungry. They need the Lord. In Matthew chapter 9, he says, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So I want you to see tonight. Lift up your eyes. I want you to see the, what Jesus saw. I want you to see the plentiful harvest, first of all, tonight. The plentiful harvest. We live in it. The current population in our world is 7.9 billion people today. Might be a little surprised to hear that number after COVID and all that stuff we, we went through. Whew, but it didn't seem to slow us down very much. I was looking up some statistics about the population of the world, how it took so long for, in human history to get to the one billion mark. And then it seems like that in, in shorter and shorter segments, we started hitting the two, three, four, five billion mark. Amazing, right? Uh, but that's what the God told us to do, replenish the earth. And so population is growing. People are, are here all over the world. How many of them know about Jesus? In this, in this time, the Lord was looking at his disciples 
And instead of seeing the, the physical needs of the moment, instead of seeing the material things, hey, it's lunchtime and we're hungry. He was trying to get them to see beyond that. Lift up your eyes. Look around you. Look at, the, look at this harvest. Look at the plentiful harvest. They're everywhere. People are everywhere. And what we need to do is we need to learn to see people as souls and not just see people as bodies walking around. It's like the man that the Lord was healing. You know, when he first touched his eyes and, and he said, what do you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking, right? <laughs> kind of a little funny right there. But he, he, was, he had blurred vision. And I think sometimes we suffer from blurred vision. We only see the surface, the outside, and, and we fail to recognize that every one of those people we see uh, uh, every day, they have a soul that will spend somewhere in eternity, forever. Do they know Jesus? Do they know you? Have, you? have you told them of Jesus? Have you prayed for them? As Jesus looked around, he saw the great need of the harvest. The harvest he spoke of was a harvest of souls. It was the souls of men and women everywhere that need to be reaped to prevent them from being lost forever. Because we know, as our little track says today, that this is a limited time offer. It must be received during your lifetime or before the Lord comes back, whichever occurs first. Because once you enter eternity, it'll be forever too late to change your destination. This is an amazing truth of the harvest. We only have a short time to do the reaping. Mark it down tonight. We have a plentiful harvest in this world. 7.9 billion people. We have seven continents. And okay, I get it. No one lives in Antarctica. So in the place of Antarctica, put the islands of the sea and all the corners of the earth where people do inhabit and realize that somebody, somebody needs to go there and share the gospel with them. Oh, listen, friends, we, we have people all around. The opportunities are endless. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So unless you're planning on going to the moon or Mars, I don't think you're going to miss it. You know, you can't give the gospel to the wrong person. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus. Jesus looked up and said, hey, fellas, lift up your eyes. He said the fields are white and they're ready for harvest, a plentiful harvest. But not only that, he pointed out the pitiful laborers. He said the harvest truly is plenteous, but he said the laborers are few. Few laborers, a big harvest. What does that mean? That means we have a risk of loss. Jesus noticed the few laborers and instructed the disciples to pray that God would send more laborers to the fields. He knew that more laborers were needed in order to accomplish the great work of harvesting these precious souls. These laborers are not hired. They are sent. They are called of God to reach the souls of men. Think about it. He said the laborers are few. Our missionary friend visiting with us this past week gave us a glimpse of that. 
when he, when he, when he gave us some, some varying numbers of the mission field. Think about the numbers that he gave. So many in the city that they're in, and I, I don't want to repeat those numbers uh, because he asked us not to publish that information, but all of those people in the city that he's in, and then he gave us a small number. This is how many missionaries there are in the city. And I just went, wow. We're talking astronomical numbers. So if you divided the whole city up per missionary, it would almost be impossible for them to reach everyone in their lifetime. That's how, that's how staggering the numbers are. Think about that. What's the problem? The problem is there's not enough laborers. The problem is the harvest is ripe. The fields are plenteous. The problem is there's, there's too many people and there's not enough time to reach them all. You know, it'd be easier if we could just hit the pause button and everybody stop and let's proclaim the name of Jesus in the public square. (laughs) But life just doesn't work like that. Especially in some places where that's just not allowed. So, we go about it the best we can. But it reveals the need. The need is great. And it's a need for more laborers. The pitiful laborers. There's so few compared to the largeness of the field. There's so few compared to the numbers of the masses and the multitudes. If you get on the internet and do searches of unreached people groups, you'll see thousands of unreached people groups. Different, different language segments. I mean, there are people groups and languages that still don't even have a copy of the Word of God in their language. How do you go about reaching them? What a task. How would you like to be a missionary called uh, to, to help that group? You don't even have a Bible to work with. We think about missionaries of old who had to go into places where there was no written language. They had to not only learn the language without it being written, Then they had to put the language in writing so they could translate and do their work to begin educating and teaching the people, to teach them about God and His Word so so that one day they could hold a Bible. That kind of work is, I mean, it's just overwhelming to think about all of the, the monumental effort that goes into a task like that. The challenges that they certainly face on the field and the obstacles in their path Hey, it just, it just really kind of underscores, does it not? It underscores the reason why we appreciate them so much. Knowing the groundwork and the foundation that they laid for other missionaries coming after in the years later to reach the souls of men. Jesus pointed out the, the, the plentiful harvest, the pitiful laborers, and then notice the praying disciples. Jesus taught about prayer, and he spoke on prayer. But when did he ever say, pray for this? Jesus never asked anyone to pray for him or any of his needs. Not that I can remember. But here, he gives us a prayer request. He says, pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. 
Pray for laborers, he said. Think about that. Think about places that don't have a missionary. Think about places that don't have a Bible. My, how we need to pray. Pray for them. You know, oftentimes, too often, for us, prayer is this last resort thing. It's, it's what we do when there's nothing else we can do. What a shame, because prayer really needs to be the first thing we do in any endeavor. Anything you attempt for God, anything spiritual in nature, we should pray first and pray foremost. Pray about it, pray over it, pray through it. It should be bathed in prayer because prayer is how we get things done in God's economy. This is God's method of recruitment, and and all of us should be praying that God would send laborers into his harvest field. Pray specifically for DeRitter, for our area, our neck of the woods, you might say. Pray that God would work right here. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers that we need. What about our church right here at Beckwith and things that need to be done amongst us? Ask him where you can serve in his harvest as you pray. Find your place and work faithfully as you pray for laborers to be sent elsewhere. Why do you think the Lord told us to pray? Why do you think the Lord urged his disciples in this moment, looking at the multitudes to pray? I believe there are several reasons. I believe prayer taps into heaven's resources. When we see the monumental task ahead of us, we realize quickly that it's a little bit more than what we can accomplish. And without God's help, we we really are faced with a daunting task to win the world to Jesus Christ. We need heaven's resources, heaven's help to do something like that. But not only that, prayer aligns our heart with God's purpose. You know, so often we as Christians, it it really is, isn't it? Like we preached this morning and and, and the message reveals to us, just like much of the Word of God does, how, how much we need to be aligned with God's purpose, aligned with God's plan. That's what Christian growth's all about. That's what spiritual maturity is. It's coming more and more in line with God's Word, in tune with God's will. It's learning to think like the Lord. It's learning to love what He loves. And in the Christian life, we grow as we we learn God's Word and then apply it to our life. Because during that process is when we, we too are aligned with God's Word and His will. Prayer helps that process to align our heart with God's purpose. Prayer motivates us to become personally involved, probably like nothing else. You know, we can compliment, we can see progress, all of these things. We can rejoice when exciting things happen in ministry around us, but I'm telling you, nothing will motivate you to get involved in God's work more than praying for God's work. It just seems like when you pray for something specifically, you start to develop a desire for it, to see it happen to see it come to pass. And when that happens and and then you're presented with an opportunity, it's just a natural fit, isn't it, to get involved and to fill that opportunity. That's because prayer motivates us like nothing else to become personally involved. No doubt that's why Jesus asked the disciples to pray. But not only that, prayer moves the hand of God 
to accomplish things that we cannot. And this is why we say every time we're involved in a spiritual work, we should always begin with prayer. Because spiritually speaking, there are things that we humanly cannot accomplish without God's divine help. We just read some missionary updates, and it's, it's nice to hear letters uh, from our missionaries. And I'm thinking right now of, of uh, Brother Ferret talking about uh, Brother Gates and his new church and the church plant there and wanting to turn it over to a new pastor. Hey, listen, do you realize going, going to a place and, and starting a church and turning it over to a pastor and moving on? Hey, you know, that's hard work. People work is hard work. That's why Paul called it the work of the ministry. And when you deal with people, you don't always get one plus one equals two. Right? How many of you ever worked with kids and you know that? <laughs> Not everything happens like it's supposed to. You can't always control the outcome. Isn't that right? Anytime you're dealing with human nature, you're not fully in control of that. And so when we go to, to start churches and, and plant churches, when our missionaries are out there, listen, that's why we need to pray for them. Because they're not guaranteed, just like here. We go to witness to someone just because we gave them the gospel and, and they're lost. One plus one equals two, right? They should get saved. But they don't. How many times have you heard of someone hearing the gospel over and over and over and over again before finally they get saved. And reality is, not everyone, even those who hear it repeatedly, not everyone gets saved in the end. I read a statistic once. I wondered, why is it so hard to accomplish new things? And I read a statistic once that said employers have to repeat instructions to their employees on average 11 times before the employees fully understand what's expected 11 times and and we're surprised when someone hears the gospel for the first time and they're not ready to receive Christ no wonder no wonder, look, as, as human beings, we need time to comprehend. We, we need time to process truth. We need time for that information to kind of sink down, especially the message of salvation. Don't we want that to sink down into their heart? Don't we want that to be a heartfelt decision so that it produces life change? Exactly. So we have to be ready that they're not going to receive it the first time. They're not going to understand it the first time. They're going to need to hear it several times before they even start to comprehend. And then after that, we need God to do a work in their heart so they can embrace the truth of Jesus Christ and what He did for them. Isn't that miraculous? That's powerful. So, so people work is not a guaranteed process. It's not, it's not like going to an assembly line and you, you key in all the points, and then you got a product at the end. That works great at Ford and General Motors, you know, and all that. But in the ministry, things don't work that way. People don't always respond. Churches are hard to establish. 
New leaders are difficult to, to acquire and train. And, and there's obstacles. That's why Jesus said, pray. Pray for the harvest. Pray for laborers. Pray. Oh, listen, we have our work cut out for us. We're seeing tonight. Can you see it with me? In our mind's eye, through the eye of faith, can you see Jesus looking over the hillside? Can, can you see the multitudes coming from town? Can you see those turbans bouncing over the hill? And, and, and their, their robes, can, can, can you see those, those white images flashing as people began to come up over the hills? And Jesus said to the disciples, he said, look, look, lift up your eyes. He said, the fields are white to harvest. It was a little visual of what I think God sees when he looks down at this world with its 7.9 billion in population. And he sees the four corners of the earth and all the inhabitants. And he looks around. Surely he sees his children. But in between, he sees all those who are lost, just like it says in our text, as sheep with no shepherd. And he says, pray. Pray for the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the field. As in Isaiah 6, God calls tonight, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Will you answer the call? Will you pray for others to hear and answer God's call? Will you pray for those who have answered God's call? I think of our missionary's question Wednesday night. He said, would you sell your house and go live in a grass hut in Africa? Well, if the answer is no, the least you can do is pray for those that will. (laughs) Amen? And we said this morning, remember? No one's going to answer that question with a yes unless God called you there. But I hope if God called you there, you'd gladly go whether it was Africa or China or Mexico uh, or Nicaragua or any other country that needs the help of God tonight. How about it? Are you up for the task? Would you just add it boldly to the top of your prayer list? Praying for laborers for this great harvest. That's what God laid on our hearts tonight. A harvest of souls. And he asked us to pray. Let's bow together. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you for sharing and showing us, Lord, the need, the burden all around us, people who need Jesus. And Lord, hearing this message, we're reminded, Lord, we we know this is true because we see it every day. We work with some of them. We live with some of them on our streets, in our town. Lord, we do business with some of them. And we know there are people all around us, people all around this world who just need Jesus. They need to be saved. We see them on television. We hear them on the radio, the Internet. Uh, Lord, we, we do business with them in our daily affairs. And we just ask you tonight to begin helping us. Help us pray for the harvest. And help us, Lord, to begin to work in it. Passing out tracts, talking to people about the Lord, sharing our testimony inviting some to church. Whatever we can do as we have opportunity, Lord, help us to do it.
In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.